Hey, now, I gas you up all the time. <laughs> My mom's a big fan of yours. <laughs> what up, mom? Summer sessions in session. Expect the unexpected. I'm talking to me and it's the seconds. This podcast perfection. Keep you guessing what methods I'm messing with the new section. And it's the dopest podcast on earth. Best you rep. So, yeah, we on. Tell me that we on. Yeah. This is the dope show. Yeah, we on. Tell me that we on. Yeah, this be the dope show. Yeah, we on. Tell me that we on. Yeah. This is the dope show. Yeah, we on. Tell me that we on. Yeah, this be the dope show. Dope show. What up? Welcome to another super dope. G Splash Summer Sessions episode, aka that G6. We kick you six news stories from pop culture of the week. You know how we do it. I'm your host, Bradley Baxter, and riding shotgun one more time is Katie. Make some noise. I, I don't know. Hey, everybody. I don't know why I keep this is the second episode out of all the episodes. I'm like, hey, crowd, make noise. I don't know why I did it, but I did it. I know. I don't. Do you have people over? No. I just have a. I just have a button that makes me feel like people are here. Right. <laughs> this is episode number 21 of Summer Sessions, but also, guess what episode of all time, or m- at least of the main show, rather? Katie, do you know? Are we at 90? 92. 92. Yeah. Almost to that 100, oh. baby. Comic-Con, right? Yeah. That's what the yep. 100th yep. episode will be about? Yep. NYCC. Yep, we got some plans for that, which will hopefully come all to fruition, but you never know. But while we're on the topic of upcoming episodes, we're talking It Chapter 2, which is going to be dope. And then obviously we have our 100th episode where we will start Season 3 of the dopest podcast on earth. Feel me? Will there be new merch for Season 3? I don't know, maybe. (laughs) It's lots of goodies to think about. Lots of Just let... Us know so we can order previous merch. Before I take it all down? Right, yes. Before it goes into the vault and becomes limited edition exclusives. Oh, gosh. And then resale on the, <laughs> on the, on the marketplaces. Dark... The dark so, web. Yeah, the dark web because it's, it's so limited. So um, limited. Speaking of limited edition, let's get into some news. Katie, <laughs> hey, I have a feeling you are absolutely all about this. Next story or first story of the news. We're talking Friends. The TV show is hitting theaters. A handful of Friends episodes will be airing in theaters in celebration of the show's 25th anniversary. And fans of the show can rush to theaters September 23rd, September 28th, and October 2nd in over a thousand theaters across the country. According to Entertainment Weekly, the screenings, which have been restored in 4K, even though we can't physically see that and with uh, the human eye. It will contain exclusive interviews and never before seen content. Katie, go ahead. What are you about it? About it? Or are you? I could give a shit. I know Friends is a cultural phenomenon. I think Pottery Barn just released Friends-based furniture, so you can make your place look like their apartments. I watched it when it came out, but I have no—I I hate to say I have no love, but I—I I don't care. I didn't think it was yeah. that great of a show. I got to agree with you, Katie, and I, you absolutely surprised me, but I don't really care about this at all. But I know some people will. But people will. will people will. Up. Oh, but the I basic the- bitches of America are going to be flocking <laughs> to the theaters. And I'm trying to think about putting myself 
on an even playing field because I did go see Avengers Endgame a fifth time or whatever. And then I went back and saw it when they released the new footage that was terrible. Yes. It gets brought up and then I'm immediately mad again because folks at home, I sat through the movie in a theater with no air conditioning on a day that I think was almost 95 degrees. Friends, I don't know. People love it though. Obsessed. Yeah. Anyway, well, speaking of I'll Be There For You, Doctor Doom movie is apparently, quote, done being written. So it's done being written. I couldn't figure out what the quote from Noah Hawley was like. It's so done. This, I mean, what, this, like, done, what's done? Before the merger with Fox, there was talks of them redoing the Fantastic Four, but them doing a Doctor Doom movie. And he was he started writing it. It was still a Fox property. And he, I'll just read the story. But Legion creator Noah Hockley has been working on a film focusing on Doctor Doom, leading audiences to wonder about the project's fate with the character now being absorbed into the MCU. Unfortunately, fans will be disappointed to learn that this iteration of the project is done. And this is what he said. Whether or not they already have a plan in place for what to do with those characters or whether they're open to my kind of vision for what to do with those characters it's sort of up in the air and up to me right now, something along those lines. But it's up to him to push his script. I don't know if you've seen Legion. It's a, I have it's not. Actually, it's actually a really cool show. It's a great visual, visually done show in the X-Men world. I feel like this phase is like phase five. Yes. And I'm not so sure if it's a dope script and it makes sense. I'm curious if he wrote it to like in the MCU or if he just wrote it, you know? Right. As a big well, Doctor and- Doom fan, I am obviously yeah. want, want it to be... The best movie ever. Correct. Speaking of unimpressed mouses, according to Variety, Disney is not impressed by the new mutants. When going into detail on problems uh, on the problems Disney has faced since they bought 20th Century Fox assets, Variety reports that Disney isn't confident in the upcoming X-Men movie and is worried about the new mutants box office profitability. Insiders are claiming Dark Phoenix underperformed partly because the film was ignored by Disney and didn't get appropriate attention when it came to marketing, which could also happen with the new mutants. Also, they claim that any films looking for money for reshoots must submit detailed storyboards to convince Disney to approve the cost of reshoots. Uh, obviously, the it's come out that a lot of Fox's stuff that they put out this year is just tanking. Not happening. I feel like this is somewhat normal when you're at least in these big companies where Mergers it's like and acquisitions. Yeah, because they're kind of like, right. fuck it. We're it takes so long to make the whole thing happen that they're like, whatever. We don't care. We're we're selling it anyway. Just let them buy it and make it their problem. This was actually supposed to be the first Marvel horror film. Yeah, and it was supposed to come out in April of 2018. Yeah, the so movie's those, done. I fe- yeah, I feel for that cast. Like, can you imagine putting in the time and effort and thinking that you're going to be part of this massive franchise, the final installment of the X-Men series, the first horror film, all of that, and then it's just hanging out. Yeah, I mean, uh, all through, like, the Game of Thrones promotions, what's-her-name was getting, like, oh, is New Mutants coming out? And she's like, fuck, dude, I don't care anymore. Like, they're going to do whatever they want with it. I don't know. Yeah, and um, I don't I don't know if I subscribe to the idea that the reason that Dark Phoenix tanked was, you know, sixty million dollars is a ton of is a ton of money for a movie to make. The problem is is it costs two hundred million to make. It's not necessarily like sixty million dollars is something to turn your nose up at. It's just the cost benefit analysis of it on that. I don't think that it was a lack of promotion though. I think it was just really 
poor tiny. No one was, I, no one gave a shit about the X-Men. You know, they were in the actual shadow of the Avengers. Like, have this movie come out this, now, like right after, right six after months Endgame. from now, when there's just kind of a lull and everyone's desperate for another taste of Marvel. I think it would have been a different story. What I really think was the issue here is the amount of reshoots they had to do, as well as rewriting script, because... They were originally supposed to have scrolls and the villains in that Dark Phoenix movie. They had to change because of the MC was putting scrolls in Captain Marvel. So that fucked up them. And then they had to, their budget almost doubled because of the reshoots. They bought the company and then it was like, just do, they ran it through the machine and no one was impressed. I think it was the convergence of ending of Game of Thrones and a major star also being the star of Dark Phoenix. Yeah, like you that, were upset about that, so that make even more negative buzz. Right. I think it was I think it was I mean, I don't necessarily think it was the actual film or the content of the film. I think it was a lot of really awful timing. Yeah, I don't think I it would have that. been like the best movie ever and would have been great. And people would have been like, oh, Dark Phoenix is a top 10 movie of mine. But I think it would have been significantly more successful had it been released. Now. Another great story to get Katie fired up. Oh, Lord. Yeah. I don't know if you listened, but a couple of weeks ago, Katie and I did a review of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which I absolutely loved. She absolutely despised. No, and- I'm. I did not absolutely despise it. I mehed it. I gave it a meh. I despise. I wouldn't say I even despise Tarantino. I just don't like Tarantino. <laughs> you you gave it a meh with a very heavy undertone. No, I would, no, I would not pull that movie towards trash. There's a lot. Anyway, of we'll have to movie. we'll have to go back we'll to, to the. We're table. gonna just keep. We're gonna fight about this for infinity. Forever. One of the biggest issues with that seems to be part of the problem with this movie is the Bruce Lee scene, in which. Cliff Booth gets into a fight with Bruce Lee while he's being arrogant and talking about fighting Muhammad Ali. Tarantino finally responded, and here's what he said. Bruce Lee was kind of an arrogant guy, Tarantino said. The way he was talking, I didn't just make that up. I heard him say things like that to that effect. If people are saying, well, he never said that he could beat up Muhammad Ali, well, yeah, he did, all right? (laughs) Not only did he say that, But his wife, Linda Lee, said that in her first biography I ever read, she absolutely said that. He he made the example of Cliff Booth being a fictional character and Bruce Lee being, in this story, technically a fictional character that it's like asking if Bruce Lee could beat up Dracula. That was the example that he gave. I mean, it is what it is, but I was curious, Katie, what are your thoughts on Tarantino's response to the drama? I mean, Tarantino being like, uh, he was an arrogant guy. I mean, pot, meat, kettle. I think that there's always a way to stand by your choices and the artistic license that you took without having to be a dick. And I think you could just be like, yeah, this was a portrayal of a fictionalized Bruce Lee that I put in there. I sincerely apologize for any harm I caused to the legacy of Bruce Lee. He was an amazing actor who faced a ton of discrimination and so you would have preferred, of, that, you know, like you would have you would have preferred of an apology. What if he would have just came out and said, you know, this was a fictional movie that I wrote with the character Bruce Lee. I didn't mean to mess things up. It was just something I thought was a great look. 
you know, the person who's the mo- who's upset about this is his daughter. This isn't some, it isn't me that's upset about this. Like, Quentin Tarantino doesn't owe me anything, right? But this oh, is his I... daughter. Like, if someone made a film about my dad and I felt like it was a really gross portrayal of him, like, I have the right to say that. And I have some, right. I have a leg to stand on when I say, this is my dad we're talking about. So I think Tarantino would be like, oh, he was an arrogant guy. Okay, Tarantino, you're an arrogant guy. And to just not be like, hey, I took creative license. It was a fictionalized version of Bruce Lee. Obviously, Cliff Booth is a fictionalized character that I made as a caricature. I sincerely apologize for any harm I've done to the legacy of Bruce Lee. That's a classy response. It covers the bases. But, you know, being like, I get it. Like, I just, what would be the harm in apologizing to Bruce Lee's daughter, who has a right to say, I don't like the portrayal of my father? Well, Katie, you're in luck because we did reach out to Tarantino and his team. Oh, did we? they responded and they w- felt really bad. And he said, quote, yeah. tell Katie, I'm sorry I didn't put a wizard in the film. <laughs> <laughs> Call back, baby. Yeah, <laughs> Speaking I... of crime criminals and crime stories. American Crime Story is getting this another season. If we know before they did the OJ Simpson trial, which was a big deal. Now Gianni Versace. Oh, I forgot they did that one. I watched yeah, like two episodes season. and couldn't get into it. My bad. This new series will follow a sort of culture-wide mea culpa about the way Lewinsky, Monica Lewinsky was treated during the scandal. The then young intern was publicly shamed and made the butt of thousands of late night jokes. Oh God, he Following <laughs> Following a national discussion about the way women are treated in workplace, power dynamics, and sexual assault in the wake of the Me Too movement, plenty of people realized that they were wrong to make Monica into an easy punchline. The series will give executive producer Monica Lewinsky the chance to have the final word of the era. This will be interesting. Uh, I'm, yeah, I mean, it will be. From watching the, at least some of the last one and, and the, obviously the first one, they stick pretty much true to the full story, whereas in like American horror story, they're kind of. I mean, they're really well done. More fictional. They're really well done shows. So, right. I really appreciate the fact that the production team thought, you know, because they could have made this and not thought about who the other person at the center of this, which was Monica Lewinsky, who was, you know, still in college. I mean, I think about how the goofy stuff I did in my <laughs> early 20s. Right. To center her and to have her as an executive producer and have her get her say and make some money, I think is fantastic. Not because I think that what anybody did was what should be done in the Oval Office, but I think that she never got to really have her say. I think she had one interview maybe with Barbara Walters, like a 2020 piece after it all had kind of died down. But to have this and it's come, you know, it releases September 27th and we'll be a month away from our next presidential election, I think. Do you think Bill Clinton will weigh in on this or will he just keep it moving? I think he's going to keep it moving. I, he hasn't said thing things about about anything and he's been so in the, you know, in the background. Yeah, His, no, I mean, you know, still, people, cur- people still right. love Bill Clinton. People still love Bill Clinton. Speaking of loving the bad guy, the NFL has turned to Jay-Z and Rock Nation. 
According to the New York Times, the deal with Rock Nation, Jay-Z's entertainment and sports company, they've called the firm to be the NFL's live music entertainment strategist, uh, which will entail Rock Nation and Jay-Z consulting on entertainment, including the Super Bowl halftime show, and contributing to the league's activism campaign, Inspired Change. Now, this has a history going back when Colin Kaepernick was in the league taking a knee. Obviously, this is a political shift. They've tried to get Jay-Z to play the Super Bowl, and he's been like, nah. Uh, and the, the NFL for the last few years has kind of had a black eye. I mean, is this save face at all? I hope it does. I mean, the NFL has a history of having controversy or scandals and then bringing in people and then nothing really happens. You know, what's a, right. who is the guy who punched his wife in the elevator in Vegas or his fiance. Ray, Ray Rice. Ray Rice. Ray Rice, yes. And they brought in a woman who was like a leading activist in domestic violence. She used to work, I believe, for the NYPD sex crimes unit to like come in and start educating on domestic violence in the NFL. And like, have we heard anything else about anything that they've done? No. I'm hopeful. I would love to be able to not feel guilty about watching football. <laughs> Does it, I mean, does this mean that support Colin Kaepernick? And is this is this just kind of like a thing to not only save face, but trying to get Jay Z to perform at halftime of the Super Bowl? You know, I I like in, a bigger. It's like the biggest have an artist play Super Bowl with the biggest deal. That obviously Jay Z's and Beyonce have been kind of on this whole thing about. Even Kim Kardashian has been in this whole boat about making change and stuff. And I don't want to get too political with it. I think they're doing great of stuff. Of course, you don't. I hope that this is indicative of a desire to actually change and to bring someone in who's been critical of an organization, I think is always a good thing to do as opposed to having more people who are just going to follow the status quo. But there's always this part of like, I couldn't find how much, I couldn't find out how much money Rock Nation is getting for this partnership. Right. So there's a part of me that thinks, is this change or is this... I mean, it's only you know, it's a money-making like, betrayal. Entertainment. It's just entertainment. So they're the live music entertainment strategy. Right, but they're also going to be part of this inspire change. They're going to be contributing. Right, and one of the pillars of that deals with police brutality and the criminal justice system. So I don't know. I hope that the NFL starts making moves in a positive direction with regards to this. But I'm skeptical. Skeptical of scary stories is a thing. So let's just get into this main topic where we're talking scary stories to tell in the dark. Uh, this movie came out this last weekend. I wanted to talk about two other movies quickly on the show. The Kitchen, which I think has bad reviews, if I'm not mistaken, on Rotten oh. Tomatoes. Really? The Kitchen, yeah. The Kitchen has a 21% currently on Rotten Tomatoes. And a audience score of sixty nine percent. I thought this movie was pretty good. I would I would give it a splash. It has a, wow. it's, enter, it's entertaining. It didn't blow my mind by any means, but it was definitely worthy of something more than a meh. So it's in that splash field. I'm pretty surprised at twenty one. Um, obviously, all these leads are great actresses, and to see a bossy ass movie like this was. I was entertained, and I thought I it was a good it, a good movie. Just it's a good movie overall. I think um, it's just it, so similar to so many other things that have happened. There's of that course. series about the chicks who are 
you know, trying to make money. And then there was a movie with Viola Davis and Liam Neeson. So I think that maybe the critics are like, we've seen this before, but I'm I'm going to go see it with my mom. That's my thoughts on that movie and the other movie that I saw this week that was surprisingly good. What? And I really liked it. What? Was, was uh, Dora and the Lost City. Uh, I got an 85, are you? Yeah, 80% certified fresh and an 88 audience score. The jokes were good. It's obviously a kid's movie. Um, I've not seen an episode of Dora. I've seen bits of it here and there. I know enough to know that she hangs oh with the monkey. gosh, you don't even know if the movie was canon or not? What? <laughs> oh, <sighs> there's so many good things about this movie. I'm giving it a splash for sure. There's so many good that like Michael Pena is obviously one of my favorite actors. I every time he's in something and he has a an opportunity to be funny and kind of do his he own is. thing, he he kills it every time. Yep. Uh, Ava Longoria was great in it. The lead actress in this is um, actually been in a lot of stuff. Isabella Moner. I don't know how you say her last name. I'm sorry, but this cast was good. It was fun. It was cartoony at times and. There's some. I'm gonna get into some spoilers. I don't know if people are gonna go crazy with it, but if you want to see the movie, which I would recommend you do, there are some really cool cameos in here. And one of those, which blew my mind, was Danny Trejo. <gasps> really? And, great. As well as Benicio del Toro. This, I mean, this movie was really a typical jungle. This is fantastic. Jungle kids movie. It has all the elements of Dora the Explorer. Explorer. Uh, her, Dora the Explorer. Every, every, Gosh, every New York. Yeah, it was like, yeah, I'll take uh, one for the Dora the Explorer film over here. Uh, <laughs> nah, I, <laughs> she's singing songs. It's good. Splash. All right, now let's get into the juice of the donuts. Scary stories to tell in the dark. Hmm. This <laughs> currently has a 81% certified fresh and a 71% audience score. I saw it. Katie, you saw it. Your sister saw it. My nephew saw it. Your nephew saw it. Tell us the plot in this movie. It is Halloween 1968 on the eve of the presidential election. <laughs> right. In the adorable city of, I think it's Mill City. Is that what it is? Pennsylvania. Not important. Our young protagonist, Stella. Stella! And her, Stella! And her misfit motley crew of friends squad break in to a haunted house, which has much folklore surrounding it, and find a book of scary stories that begin to come true. That's good enough. Uh, <laughs> this is a classic book. It's been out for ever. It's been very out popular. since I was born. So a yeah, thousand very, years. Very great, great written I book. Re I reread it. It's still good. Oh, is it still still holds up? Yeah, still totally holds up. The thing about this book that scares you immediately is the cover and like some of the artwork is very fucking traumatizing as a child. But would you say that this movie was aimed at kids? Because I want to I want to know your take on that. I mean, it was a PG-13 rating mm -hmm. and the book was aimed at middle school kids. So, so it, it, it went with that theme. It went with that theme. I think I was expecting it to be a little bit more... We'll get into the reviews in a minute, but I think I was thinking it was going to be a little bit more darker, I would say. I agreed. I I thought it was going to be a lot, at least visually creepy, especially because so much of that book is, is the visuals or the original right. version of the books. They 
switched artists in 2011. And I remember I worked at Barnes and Noble when we were selling the new ones and people mm-hmm. were like, I'm not buying it because it was much more kid friendly art. Mm, and now they're back to the original art by Stephen Gamble, but it was switched um, in 2011. But yeah, I thought it was definitely going to be visually creepier than it was. What do you think of the movie? Meh. Like a low meh. What did you, what did you think? I'm I'm giving this movie straight up and I'm I'm very surprised by your answer to be honest. But this movie was straight up garbage <laughs> trash. Straight this movie garbage. was trash. I was almost this, I was almost there but And before we get into spoilers, <laughs> not that there's too many spoilers. But this movie is nothing but taking some of the best stories and taping them together. Uh, there's no real feel and mood to the movie. It's kind no. of flat. It's super flat. The characters hold no value whatsoever. Their mission goes nowhere. And <laughs> now I'm going to get one spoiler, and it's not the most shocking spoiler. People go missing and no one seems to fucking notice or care. I'm like, All right, well... This girl's telling lies, but we're not even going to look for him because his parents aren't even worried. Like, well, there's none of it made any sense. No, Tommy's parents had the cops there. Ooh, one, one. There were three kids, like, and they all just started disappearing. But Augie's parents were out of town, so they wouldn't have noticed that he was missing. Chuck going missing, like, they got arrested that same day, and then the film, like, ends. Like yeah. that evening is wrapped up. So the only reason I would say that like nobody caring, I would say. You think it was just too much in the tight time frame that it was. Right. Like, I don't, like Augie's parents were out of town. And then I feel like I did feel like it was bizarre with the Tommy thing because Tommy went missing on Halloween. And then the next day, everyone's talking about it. And then. So everybody. That's what I'm saying. It's like how everybody knows <laughs> this, this movie takes place right. in what? The 50s, 60s? 1968. I mean, how does everybody know already yet? No, but like, but it's his parents a small, don't know. It was a small town. It was Mill Valley, Pennsylvania, Brad. That's how it is in a small town. I don't know. Never been <laughs> in a small town. But yeah, I it, was like, I just. It's a patchy movie. The movie's patchy. Yes, I would. I would agree that it's patchy. There's some really, really great stories in this, and I kind of was hoping that it was gonna be a. Like a movie set in three different with like three different stories because that's kind of how the book is it's just a couple of it's like a bunch of stories and then they're all different it's not one cohesive thing but this felt very thrown together i was really hoping for what was it called the red circle or the red spot yes which is one of my favorites um which visually was cool i was hoping for a better what's the word Pay i'm looking off. for yes yes yeah. it was very quick and over and and then yeah, when the, I, like the, the kid got sucked under the bed and then moving on. Yeah, that was the only and you've you've seen scary movies with me and you know how I get. And this movie did not scare me at all. And I was shocked because I will get scared. I mean, I was scared in Toy Story 4 of those little ventriloquist dolls. Like I <laughs> screamed in the theater multiple times because those dolls freaked me out. So to be in this, and the only story that caused any sort of tension was the big toe and that bedroom scene. And then the rest of it, I was like, all right. I will say, though, that my 12-year-old nephew 
was terrified and slept on the floor of his mom's bedroom that night. And I remember you telling me that so, off the pod, which made me kind of reevaluate what my thoughts on it because I was like, well, maybe this is aimed towards kids. And if that's the case, but you would think that a book that one plays on nostalgia, obviously everyone, which is the hottest thing out right now, you know, what's comparable to this. And in, in my, my analogy here is a uh, power Rangers, right? They did that reboot. I feel like most people that were into mighty Morphin power Rangers who are now adults are wanting more darker, more serious, like MCU type of vibe movie but it's a still a kid's show yeah so it's I mean, like they, they still could have done this and kept it scary because there are terrifying stories in those books that have nothing to do with blood or gore or any of it but there i mean there's the hitchhiker the hook the babysitter yeah, where the phone's coming from inside there there's other stories that they could have that they could have absolutely done. And the other thing it. is, like, it, it's it was probably very difficult to try to patch these movies together to make one cohesive film. Because I thought that where it got patchy was all the parts about Sarah Bellows. So, like, at one point they referred to her as a witch. Well, where why did we where did that come from? Because when Stella tells the story at the Bellows house, she doesn't say she was a witch. She just said she told these kids stories, and then right. these kids. You know, these kids died and then she reappeared as this like black fog crawling down walls. Like it was just so I would have said that what would have been a cool way to do this is, is that there's still Stella. There's still um, Chuck and Augie and Ramon. But they go and they get this book and Stella starts experiencing that the people that Sarah starts hurting are people that she doesn't like or people that have harmed her like Tommy like the cop like other other stories in there and she ends up getting in an argument with her friends about destroying the book and she's like no these people are getting what they deserve and then because of this argument Sarah starts harming her friends and then she realizes oh my gosh, I need to do something about this. But I feel like it was, oh, so, so Sarah is just randomly inflicting harm on anybody. There's no rhyme right. or reason to any of it. But then it's about this justice because her story needs to be told about the truth that she wasn't actually hurting these kids. I just felt like that was, again, it's they could have pushed forward things and gotten rid of other parts of a story and cleaned it up because it was going in so many different directions. I mean, I don't think they tried to make it, but they, I think they try, tried to make sense of too much stuff and, mm -hmm. and it ended up being way too complex and boring. Well, or and rather, it, not maybe not boring, but mundane. It was very like, I'm watching this, but like, what's happening? They did. They had such cool visuals. Great. With, yeah, there was some cool visuals for right, sure. With the... The big the toe with the scarecrow with the um, Medite Doty Walker, who was also like a combination from the story of What Do You Come For? They Those were so cool, but they were in such stark contrast from the rest of the visual images in the film that it just looked foolish. Like I was yeah. like, ah, that's creepy. I felt like a show that did a really good job having creepy, exaggerated characters was House on Haunted Hill. 
Is that what it was called? Mm. The Haunting of Hill House. The Haunting of Hill House on Netflix. That show was super scary and had these strange beings in it, but they didn't look hokey or, you know, cartoony hmm. like they did. I hated this. that show. What? I hated that show. Yeah. <gasps> oh my gosh. I, I thought that shit was that too show. cupcake. It was, shit was so soft. What? I get that show it. was yeah. terrifying. No, man. They and had the book smoke amazing. in every scene and they had like makeup on every. Uh, in, that's another story. We don't have time to get into it. But <sighs> all in all, Katie, Katie gave it a man. I gave I, it, I it a trash. But it, it was, was almost a low man. It was a low man. I will vouch for that. And then I gave it a trash. <laughs> Shit is straight garbage. Maybe my expectations were too high. I, maybe I was hopeful for more, but I don't think this movie. Is I don't I don't know how this movie certified fresh. This could have been a franchise. I feel like this could, this have, could have been, been a, unbelievable. Well, it's going to be a yeah, franchise. There's going to be a second one. No, no. yeah, there will be. Yeah, I guess it, it. Look at those. It, look it, at those. Well, hold on. What it make? I made twenty million. Let us know what you thought of scary stories to tell in the dark. Did you love it? Hit us up on the Instagram at G Splash Podcast. Throw it in the inbox. G Splash BC at gmail.com. Next few weeks, we're talking boys, maybe. We're talking It Chapter 2. Yeah, let's talk the boys and good boys. Next week is all about the boys. <laughs> we're talking the boys and the good boys. I'm your host, Bradley Baxter. Thank you so much for checking out the show. Thanks, leave everybody. a comment. Give a review. Please take some time to tell your friend to leave a review. It always Aaron. helps us a little bit further. Aaron. That's my sister. She hasn't left a review yet. I got to get out of here. I got a lot of editing to do. You do. I'm Bradley Baxter. This is Katie holding it down. We'll be back next week. Peace. Bye. Yeah, we on. Tell me that we on. Yeah. This is the dope shop. Yeah, we on. Tell me that we on. Yeah, this be the dope shop. Yeah, we on. Tell me that we on. Yeah. This is the dope shop. Yeah, we on. Tell me that we on. Yeah, this be the dope shop.